the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everybody. She's back. I am back. For better or for worse. Mono can't kill me. (laughs) Yet. Yet. It tried to. It did. It had me down. It looked like you were about ready to croak a couple times. I was. I was. That was. That was bad. I don't think I have been that sick In a since long I was little. Time. But the thing is, is now I realize now when I do get sick, I get really sick. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. Goodness. Excuse me, I didn't mean to yawn in everybody's ear there. Mm-hmm. You a little tired after this weekend? I am worn out. I have been worn out for like three years now. I just I just can't catch up. I think ever since Lee was born. <laughs> Maybe a little bit before that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving. So um news what's news on the school front now? Just <laughs> everybody knows. You 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 haven't felt good for over a month. Yeah. And you've been in and out, and you finally got diagnosed with they they test you for flu, for COVID, for all Trip, sorts of stuff. Everything. Yeah, it turned out to be mono. Yep. Um. So school update <laughs> because you you folks, I'm telling you, talking about gutting it out. Uh, I was we were famous for tying a knot and hanging on. Uh, she did a lot more than tie the knot. <laughs> hang on. I have been sick since October, end of October. Um, I was basically running a fever at some point every day since around October 29th. And um, I didn't really know what it was, thought my body was just tired. So I did end up going to the doctor, um, I guess, a week ago. I went to urgent care because it was getting so bad, and uh, they actually they tested me for strep again, for flu again. And I said, y'all, I don't have this. <laughs> I've tested negative. And then they were like, well, let's run a mono test on you. And sure enough, it came out positive, and it was just in time for finals. Um, and these finals actually determine what I'm going to be doing for the next year, too. And the thing about it is you can't, basically, these finals is where they let you take your national mm-hmm. registry test. So if I miss my, um, we have two portions for our AMT exam, and if I missed either one of them, I was not going to be able to go to national registry. Um, so I ended up. Which is another <laughs> set of tests. Yeah, it's another, it's another written and then another skills portion. Um, so I, <laughs> I ended up going to school with a fever and I felt like my throat was closing up. I could barely speak to my proctor when I was doing my skills portion, but, um, we made it. I got my results back. I passed DMT school. So now I have national registry here in like a week and then I we will be, do it all over again. <laughs> but it's only a one day thing. So. I will uh, be an EMT after that, and I'm going straight to apply to my first job because I need money. <laughs> you need money. 
But we did. We we made it through. Um, I feel very proud of myself. Um, As you should. I. You learned a lot I in did. seven and a half weeks, I eight did. weeks. And even though I probably shouldn't have, I was going to study groups at night and then getting up early the next day. So my body was extremely tired and is still extremely tired. But we're past it. We're on break now. So. Whew. We're doing. And we're paramedic doing school is a year out now. Paramedic school is a year. I was uh, I was having some issues with um, a prerequisite class and ended up between me being sick, it just it knocked me down so much. And so your instructor actually suggested, why don't yeah, you ask the registrar was, if you can withdraw, yeah. get well, <clears throat> back on your feet, and then use the next year to get all your other junk out of the way, and mm-hmm. then in spring of twenty four now. Mm-hmm. You will enter the paramedic program. Yep. So we're still we're still going to paramedic, but it's going to be good to get some time as an EMT before I am in charge of a whole truck. So uh, that's the plan now. But we're past a really big. Honestly, it's kind of funny. the The actual school exam stresses me out, or stressed me out more than national registry does because that it was like if you didn't pass that. You didn't get National Registry at all. You had to retake the class. National Registry, if you don't pass something, come back in a month and take it again. <laughs> so, um, But I feel very confident about my written and my skills, so we just got to get in there and get it done now, and then I'll be an EMT. Very good. <laughs> and to those of you who listened last week to the first segment, I must have sounded really bad. I <laughs> During the break, my mom called. Are you drinking? Have you taken something? What is wrong with you? You sound horrible. You sound like you took something. I'm like, okay, I'm very sorry. Um, no, not really. I'm just really tired. Deprivation. And, yeah, and 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 with Debbie being sick, like she's been with upper respiratory thing. You being sick, I'm the one that hasn't been sick, but had to do a lot of extra stuff around here to keep things going. It's just. I'm sorry, I got sloppy, tired. I also have um, have problems sleeping at night, deviated septums, that sort of thing. I'm going to have to have some surgery here at some point. But I just, I guess I got a little lazy, and the result was a call from my 80-something-year-old mom accusing <laughs> me of being drunk on the air. So I apologize heartily. If I sounded like I was drunk last week, I'll honestly tell you I was not. <laughs> I had not even taken any Tylenol or anything like that, so just... I'm making sure that yeah, so <laughs> he's anyway, not dying. <laughs> so forgive us. Um, Thanksgiving. We mm-hmm. just we just cleared Thanksgiving. What? Just just one thing. But in, in the, and I know I know what you've told me you loved about Thanksgiving. Being with family. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> wasn't near that deep. Food. Food. <laughs> 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 she wakes up with two things on her mind. <laughs> food and food. I think it's the steroids I'm on lately. <laughs> no, because you've been, I, I've had to feed you <laughs> numerous I'm times. I'm a growing girl, okay? Oh, gosh, your metabolism is high. You better learn how to slow down. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I will but, eat as much uh, as I want to while my metabolism is high. I know you will. <laughs> but anyway, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. You know, as you, as you sit around with family and friends, and I don't know how many are doing something today or tomorrow, being the weekend, um, our our gathering was kind of small. You know, our family's spreading out. All the cousins are not here to come to Thanksgiving every year. Uh, your sister wasn't even at Thanksgiving this year because 
of uh, Daniel's family. Uh, it says we get spread out. Let's don't let those ties, don't let those 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 inclination to get together and and be together at Thanksgiving. Don't let that wane as as life goes on. Mm-hmm. It does get different. It does get harder. But uh, and to please don't let Thanksgiving get erased by Christmas. Mm-hmm. It absolutely just kills me every year. Christmas seems to get more and more traction into not only early November but into October. Mm-hmm. I think I walked into Lowe's the first of November. Christmas tree. and Christmas stuff was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to scream. There is, <laughs> there is Thanksgiving, and as far as as far as a national holiday, Thanksgiving in our in the history of our country is is right up there with Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some in some ways, it's more important because it came first. Mm-hmm. You don't have the first Thanksgiving, you don't have Fourth of July, folks. It drives me insane every year. Um, so, please, Thanksgiving it, it means a lot. It's it's a it's yes, we're all under things. I you know, there's we've all got our crosses to bear. And we've all got things on our minds, on our hearts. But uh Thanksgiving it's time to get together. Look for those things you can be thankful for. Take a break from all the other stuff and and enjoy eating too much, Woo! binging on football, eating too much again. A third time, I know. A third time. However long it takes and however to get rid of all that turkey and dressing and all. And I've got an extra turkey I'm doing this year. So, anyway, enough ranting. <laughs> uh, enjoy the show. We're talking to Jacob Bisecker again about uh, Waybreaker Off-Road. Enjoy the show. I heard off. On the other end, folks, <laughs> I promise you my guess is, I hope he's not nervous. He shouldn't be nervous. He, he's a heck of a nice guy on the phone. I'm sure he's going to do a great job on the radio. But uh, welcome back into Woods and Water, South Carolina. Second segment for this Saturday. Hoping you're having a great day. And, um, gosh, you're, you're, fish, you're fixing to get a blessing. That's all I can say about today's show. Is, uh, is what we're going to talk about for the next, I don't know, segment, two, three segments, however long we take it. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get a blessing from the show. Some of you are, the, a light bulb is going to go off and you're going to be able to use this to enjoy time with someone. And, uh, and maybe a few select people that are listening today are going to directly be benefiting from this show. Uh, because we're talking to Jacob Bisecker, uh, who, an act, a hunting victim accident, a victim of a hunting accident, and I'll let him tell us all about it, uh, which led to a, I won't say a business opportunity, but it is a business. It, it's a, it's a 501c3 that's in the, that provides a service, and uh, we're going to let him talk about that, and then we're going to let him talk about some of this, that, and you, you get the whole picture. But it's going to be a good show, and I appreciate Jacob. First of all, my granddaddy was named Jake, so I have an immediate connection with you there. 
Uh, as we talked earlier, my niece is paralyzed in a wheelchair. We have that connection in common, too. And when I saw what you'd done back in August, I was like, I just, this is just, this is going to be great. So I'm looking forward to this show as much as I look to any show in the last nine years. So I appreciate your time and uh, patience getting it all set up. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, take just a moment. Uh, Jacob, uh, he's got a story. He's also got a business, Waymaker Off-Road Wheelchairs. We're going to talk a lot more about that. Take a minute and introduce yourself to us. How much? Uh, please tell us how about your hunting accident. I don't know how much detail you want to get to, but at least give us a background for that. And then we'll probably get started on how you started this and, and the burden you had for it. And we'll just see where it goes. We'll take a break. We'll do some more segments. But uh, essentially, the show is yours. All right. I appreciate it. So, uh, like I said, my name is Jacob Bicecker. Um So one of my biggest hobbies has always been um, just being outdoors. My grandpa kind of taught me how to hunt and fish um, and just spent a lot of time with that with my cousins growing up uh, and everything else. We moved to South Carolina when I was a senior in high school. Okay. Um, found some property um, that I deer hunted quite a bit. Uh, I loved a turkey hunt as well. Um, my brother, he didn't really ever get into uh, any of the hunting and fishing. Well, he did fishing, but he didn't do as much hunting. Um, and really, I was, you know, at work one day, and he had reached out and was talking about uh, some duck hunting that he did with his buddies. And so okay. I never tried duck hunting, but I'd always wanted to. Um, and so no. he... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he uh, he was all stoked about it, and he's like, you got to, as much as you like to hunt everything else, he said, you would absolutely love it. And so we, uh, you know, he had gone with his buddies, and he kind of learned the ropes um, okay. earlier that season. And so I told him, I was like, well, if you, you know, you're looking for kind of some swampy beaver ponds, stuff like that, I was like, there's there's a, a pretty good section of that on the property that I deer hunt. I said, I've just never messed with it for anything else. Okay. Um, and so he was trying to arrange a date that we could go out there. And so the first day that I had off work happened to be Christmas Eve of 2020. Um, and so, you know, we had arranged everything to be able to go that day. He was going to, you know, take his group of buddies that had gotten him into it too. So we had a little bit of experience there. Um, but coming up on um, the night before we checked the weather forecast and it was supposed to be totally, absolutely crummy. It was um, supposed to be cold, rainy, um, everything else so his buddies all backed out and they said now we're not we're not going uh, but i knew it was one of the only days that i had to be able to go with them and i knew how excited he was and it was just kind of one of those brotherly uh, bonding experiences that sure. i was really looking forward to having um and so we kind of kept an eye on the weather and we decided you know we'd we'd fall asleep and we'd wake up at four or five and we'd check it again and just kind of see where it stood um, make a call from there um so we did that, got everything packed up, got everything situated, got all excited. I probably didn't sleep much at all that night, just looking forward to it. Um, ended up checking the weather, and it looked like there was going to be a half-hour to an hour window that was going to open up right at kind of sunrise. And so I texted him. I said, I'm, I'm down forward if you are. I was like, I'll sit in the rain before sunrise, fine, and, you know, maybe we'll get a break, and they'll start flying, and we'll have a good time. And so we uh we decided to go for it. And so we, you know, had everything loaded up, got to the to the property, um, you know, got situated. He, we waited, you know, it was 
about a, I would say a quarter mile probably of trail through the woods. Um, and then from there, it was probably another quarter mile, uh, wading through some thick mud in the swamp and everything to get wow. back to, uh, one of the beaver dams yeah. where we were going to kind of set up and you had a good flyway that we were going to be sitting in. And so, uh, we did all that, got situated. We were getting poured on the whole, the whole morning in the dark. Um, just waiting. The uh, sun finally started to peek through just a little bit. Um, and that first, you know, that first little bit of light, it was still raining. We were checking the phone. Well, our phones didn't really have much service even where we were at. We were trying to get it to pull up to see if anything had changed. Yeah. Um, so we just decided to, to still sit tight. We were already there anyway. Uh, finally got a, a break. Some ducks started to fly. Uh, I got my first two wood ducks that morning. Um, and so he was all excited about that. Um, that was, you know, pretty much it. We had a good, a good morning. Decided to finally head back to the truck um, as we were wading through, back through the swamp where we came from. Right. Uh, we decided to. I told him I was like, well, let's just, you know, stay loaded and and ready just in case we kick something up and we went back, come across some ducks, you know, swimming around that we could potentially get some shots on to still try to fill our limit. And so we. uh we kept both kept one in the chamber, safety's on and everything else. So we um, had our guns in hand walking through the swamp. Um, and we got finally through the swamp, didn't end up seeing anything. So we just put our guns, um, we had straps on us. We threw them over our shoulder and started to make our way back up to the trailhead. Well, the trail kind of dropped off <clears throat> in that transition from the, the woods down into the swamp. So it was pretty thick, um, about probably, a, I'd say, a 15-foot drop, um, you know, not straight cliff face or anything okay. but it was a good little slope we had to crawl back up through um so we tried to find an easier route but it ended up just being a lot of thick brush we crawled through got back to the trailhead finally um he's a. Uh, I was 25 at the time he was 20 he was in a lot better shape than i was i had <laughs> let myself go in college a little bit and <laughs> gained that freshman 15 a time or two <laughs> he kept part of it that's you know, right. Just as a souvenir. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we got back to the trailhead and I, I finally told him, I was like, let's just stop for a minute and catch our breath because I'm, I'm beat. And so we, we decided to do that. Um, and during that process, he reached down to pick something up. Uh, his gun fell off his shoulder and either when he reached back to catch it or it hooked on his clothes or something, but, it, uh, the gun went off and shot me through the side. Um, and so it was just kind of like that. Just how it is in the movies for me. You know, when there was an explosion, it's just that real high pitch ringing in your ear. Um, that was all that I kind of heard and was just in a daze. And so he immediately, his, you know, face changed. Like, did it hit you? And so I said, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and through the whole walk through the swamp, uh, there was a couple times that morning where um, I had slipped and the water got deep. So I moved my phone from my side to my chest um, where the shot ended up hitting me was right in the pocket of that vest um, where my phone would have been kept and then his phone uh, at the time he was not able to make phone calls on it it was only working for basically sending text messages because the speakers were broke ah. uh, so he was trying to find my phone you know where's your phone where's your phone um, and that's the same thing I was like I don't know you got to find it uh, so he was able to find my phone um, we had just one bar service that he was able to get a, a call out to um, 911 dispatch um, was trying to talk to them. I figured just being that it was the property that he'd only been to basically once to scout, once to hunt with his buddies, and then that third time you know, with me and him. I just kind of figured there was no way in the world he was going to be able to 
uh, really tell them sure. how to find us, and then once they got to the property, how to direct them back to where we were, where we were at, um, and kind of the whole the whole nine yards there. So I was trying to tell them, you know, over and over just to hang up the phone. Um, let me call my wife if we could get a call out to her and just be able to tell her and the kids goodbye because I really thought that that was kind of the end of the road for me. Wow. Um, and so he, thankfully he was studying to be a, a PA. Um, and so he's gone through some health science courses with his undergraduate degree. And so he'd kind of gone through some of the generics on how to, you know, handle severe injuries and, you know, treatments and stuff like that. Um, so by this time y'all realized, yeah, you had been shot. Yeah, so he was able to, I guess, find where it went in uh, through my side. So, we were, like I said, it was raining that morning, so I had on a rain jacket, the waders, um, and it was cold. It was like 35 degrees or something, so I had my thick jacket on, a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, I had five or six layers that he sure. was having to really kind of weed through, and so he was able to um, put enough pressure to stop some of the bleeding. I was hitting the, in the side, lost my lower two ribs, um, a spleen and kidney. Uh, and then also the the shot ended up going up into my chest area and tore, tore a hole through my diaphragm. Um, and so it kind of just let all that blood and everything be able to get up the lungs and everywhere else. And so it was obviously very difficult to keep taking breaths and everything else. But he was, um, you know, there to encourage me the whole time and kind of keep me, keep me with him and talking and, um, you know, just not letting me give up really. Right. Uh, and so he was able to finally, I finally heard we, you know, we, the road circles the property on a couple of different sides. Okay. Um, so we were able to kind of hear the, hear the first responders coming. Um, so he was able to, through the phone, you know, I hear you, you know, keep coming back. We getting closer. And so he was able to direct them to us. Um, and so we got good help there, which it really, looking back at the call logs and stuff, we were, we were kind of able to figure out that it took about 45 minutes for, um, Oh my goodness! For us to get help there to where we were at, his truck. Uh, there's a path that goes back to where we were at. This is the only basically trail through those woods there. He parked his truck there, uh, and for whatever reason, which I always say, kind of for whatever reason or for at, for by chance or whatever, but you know, we know it was all kind of God yes. working and orchestrating everything yeah. for sure. Um, but he left his keys uh, in his toolbox, which he, you know, really only did when he was at places where he figured somebody had to move his truck so um, why he did it that morning when it was just going to be us back there and coming back who knows but wow uh, well, hang, hang on jake let's uh that's i told you this would move fast and it, yep. that's the first segment wow um okay let me catch my breath y'all uh <laughs> hang on just a second we'll be back after the break with more woods and water south Carolina and jacob and his story Welcome back into the show, folks. Um, I uh, I had to take that break to catch my breath. Um, it, this is one of those stories that uh, I'm sure it's not the easiest thing to tell, but as Jake will tell you, it's uh, it was all in God's hands. Uh, God always has had a plan for it, and and the plan is unfolding. To this day, before Jake's eyes, you know, and, and sometimes it it takes 
circumstances of life to complete the story, and I think that's what we're going to see as we go forward with this. But I, I Jacob, be honest with you, I was, uh, I needed the break. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been, I've been hunting my entire life. You know, you cross a barbed wire fence enough, even though you lay the gun down, you point it away from you, you have to pick it up off the ground. Uh, you, you, so many times been in the woods. There's a chance at any time, and this goes back to, I often tell us about deer hunting, you know, the old Baker tree stand. You know, it was a, what, a 12-inch platform you put your foot on, you grabbed the tree, you hugged the tree, you pulled your foot up, you stood up, you grabbed the tree, you pulled it, and that was how you deer, that was a deer stand back then. No safety harness, no lifeline, no nothing, and, you know, for every one of those instances, there's a percentage of, there's a chance something will go wrong. And for it to go wrong in your first duck hunt, it's just, it just, that, that's the definition of a pure accident. But I want you to continue on with your story. Folks, we're going to let Jake talk a bunch about his story as he will. And then we're going to get on to Waymaker Off-Road Wheelchairs, the need, the vision, and where that is today. But you need the story to put everything else in context. So, you know, you, you left off the last segment. You, you can hear him coming. And uh, and your brother left the keys in his toolbox. So pick up right there and let's uh, let's keep going. Yep. So they uh, they were able to uh, move his truck out of the way of that path, so they could get the uh, one of the emergency responders uh, volunteers had a, a truck. They drove back there. Um, they were able to pack me out to get me into the truck to get me to the ambulance. Um, so drove me out into the field. They they're gonna fly me to the hospital, but they couldn't get the, the helicopter in the air due to that crummy weather that I was telling you about. Right, which which to duck hunters, being a duck hunter myself, I, I love crummy weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. We yeah. really do, too, from now. I mean, that's been our best days that we've had since. But, sure, yeah. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they weren't able to get the helicopter, so they uh, got me in the ambulance. I remember getting in the ambulance, and they were debating on where to take me to the hospital, and they told me, they said, now we can't go to uh Carolina Pines and Hartsville, so they're not going to be equipped. We've got to go to Florence here because he doesn't have a chance if we don't go to, to McLeod and Florence. And so uh, I heard them start calling out, and I think it was like 38 minutes or something was the first number that I kind of remember uh, them saying. So I heard that number, and I immediately thought, like, yeah, there's I can't make it that much longer. Um, <laughs> like, it's been a struggle to hold on as long as it's been so far. And, right. Um, and so they, they ended up getting me there, um, you know, got me back into emergency surgery and everything else. The surgeon that I had that was on call that night, uh, he'd only been out of, uh, his residency for about six months. Um, and so I was one of his, um, first real major cases that he had to deal with. Um, and so they were able to get me stable. I finally woke up, uh, you know, after they had, Gotten everything, all the blood's bleeding stopped and everything else. I ended up having to have like 13 units of blood or something like that. Um, they replaced. I woke up in the, the hospital room and I just remember asking my mom and wife, I was like, what day is it? And they still said Christmas Eve and I just looked at them and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way that all happened in no. the space of a few hours. Yes, I was innovated and was able to communicate. Um, through sign language that I learned when I was a kid. I just remembered all the letters. I was able to just kind of spell things out for my mom and wife and 
uh, communicate that way. And I remember just my first question was, um, once I figured out, you know, what day it was, I said, where's Peyton at? Um, you know, is he okay kind of thing. And so they, uh, she was like, yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, everything's good. They haven't, you know, done anything crazy like the rest of them or made a big right, deal about it. Right, uh, right, right. So obviously they confiscated the gun for you know, investigation, all that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, other than that, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, pure any kind of pure Any accident. kind of worse situation that I knew was going to be hard on his mental right. state at the time. So right. um, they convinced me of that. And I, just, I remember just uh, writing down a piece of paper to him that he saved me. And that was wrote that multiple times. Um, every time we'd be talking about Peyton, is just you know, this wasn't anything that he did. It was a freak thing. Um, sure. And if it wasn't for him, you know, if I'd have been there with anybody else, they wouldn't have been equipped with the knowledge to be able to stop that bleeding and get the help like he did. And so I just kept telling him he saved me. And even Peyton throughout that um, my time in recovery and stuff like that. You know, he'd have times, obviously, it was hard on him um, trying to relive and think through everything. And I just kept trying to tell him, I was like, buddy, I was like, you didn't take anything away from me. You saved my life that day. Yeah. there We spoke just briefly while during the break about the relationship between brothers. Because I have an older brother, Paul, is six and a half years older than me. You're about five years older than your brother, and there mm-hmm. and and and, we, and I said, I'm sure during that time he was saying, hang on and stuff like that. There are things brothers can say to each other that other people wouldn't know to say that elicit a response. And I am sure, and you confirm, there there are things he probably said that he talked about that kept you in the ball game, so to speak. Yeah. That that is that relationship you have with a brother, especially one that you spend any time with outdoors, any time at all outdoors with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. So I was in the the ICU then for um, a month at McLeod. Uh, they finally transferred me after that month to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, where I did um, five more months of pretty intensive rehab. Uh, four months of that was inpatient, and then the last month was outpatient. Um, but I remember really getting there. Uh, that was the first time that I'd heard, you know, the the. PT came in and she did all of her tests and everything else and she said, You're a T eleven and L two um paraplegic and I just looked at her and I was like, Do what? Yeah. Yeah, paraplegic and um I said, no, I didn't it just was one of those things that just catches you so much by surprise. I didn't even realize Right. You know, because I've been slid open from the chest down while I, you know, got in to work on everything. I had the hole yeah. on my side. I wasn't even able to move in the hospital bed. And I just, I didn't ever really kind of connect the dots, I suppose, that, you know, that the pain and stuff in my legs that I was feeling was because of that. So, um, see, so it was, it was one of those things just hit you by surprise, but I put in as much work as I could, um, during that inpatient throughout that stay, um, so that would have been from first the, the very end of January, January through um, mid June. Yeah. Yep. Um, during that time in March, uh, my daughter was born. So my wife was. Oh my goodness, Jacob! Twenty <laughs> some weeks pregnant. Um, wow. See it. My daughter was born, but due to COVID restrictions and everything else, she couldn't come there to have the baby and me be a part of it. Um, 
so she just ended up having her with the, the doctor back home that she was comfortable with. Um, and so we did the whole FaceTime birth and all that, uh, all that jazz. Um, Goodness. So it was, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of different obstacles to really overcome, but it was kind of one of those things where you, you lean on your faith. Um, I can think of times that I couldn't sleep at night just because of the pain and that all we'd do is just turn on, um, you know, Christian radio in the background just to listen to songs and the word just really hits you different when you're in that kind of a situation. But it was, you know, one of those things that God was always having the, the right words that you needed to hear at the right time. Um, and just getting, I mean, it's one of those things really you just get, you have to get closer to him and cling to him or it's going to yeah. kind of eat you up. Yeah. Yeah. Got and about so a minute was, and a half. So uh, I'm going to give you a warning the first time around, but you got about, <laughs> about a minute and a half of this one. So space okay. it out how you need it to go. Yeah. So uh, during that time at the Shepherd Center, we, they do your rec therapy. Um, gets involved to try to cater some activities to to your interests and likes. And so they do mine was outdoors and hunting related. So that was when they really first introduced me to these track chairs. Okay. All right. Uh, so they rolled into one, took me around the campus, got back to the room, and I asked the guy, I said, how much they cost? And he said, well, about 20 grand. So I said, well, how much does insurance help with? He said, well, none, none at all. I said, well, wow. why did you even bother showing it to me? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of where it stood. I never thought that I'd even get a chance to, to own one for myself. So it was just kind of one of those things I was really wanting to figure out how how I could get back outdoors and do the hunting and fishing. Um, so I knew sports were going to be pretty much off the table except for some adaptive programs and whatever right. else. So, right. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of just disheartening that I thought the last thing that I might be able to do, hunting and fishing and stuff, was going to be uh, even more of a challenge, just trying to be able to, push a wheelchair through the woods or, right. or whatever. So, um, and yeah, so got out of the hospital and ended up a couple months after I got home, found one um, for sale on Facebook Marketplace used, and it happened to be right up near some family in Indiana. Okay. And so we were able to justify spending $5,000 on it real quick to, sure. to purchase it. Sure. And so that was how I, how I got my first one. The first chair. Wow, let's uh, I let's stop. We got about thirty seconds in this segment left. I don't want to get going because I think the first chair is probably where Waymaker really started. Um, just wow, thank. I think going this break. Thank you for sharing all that with us. I think you know the. It's amazing the going back to being outdoors is a driving force. You know. It's a way of life, folks. It's not just a pastime. So hang on. We'll be back and uh, give you more of the story after the break. And welcome back to Woods and Water South Carolina, the final segment for today. Uh, If you have listened for the past two segments, uh, there's your blessing. You know, it's a holiday time of the year. You just, it's like Jake and I were talking. You never know this time of the year what people are going through. Um, you know, I appreciate him telling his story like he did. Um, because there's, there's inspiration there. There is, you can make it. You can, you know, 
with God's help, you can make it through these these situations. It's and our family did it when my niece was paralyzed. Jake and his family have done it through, certainly probably with COVID involved and the birth of a child, made it through much difficult, more difficult than what we had it back 20 years ago. Uh, and Jake, uh, publicly thank you for, for telling your story and sharing that with us. I know some of it was probably hard, some of it was probably easy, uh, but either way, thanks for doing that. Um, okay, so you got your first chair, and, and, and like I, we discussed, we're going to kind of move from the first chair to uh, the Waymaker Offered Wheelchairs to how people use the chairs, reserve the chairs, and how you can help Jake keep this going. So uh, first chair and, and, the, and the whole Waymaker Offered Wheelchair, uh, mm-hmm. ha, let, us, let us know how, how did that happen. Yes, I had, like I said, I got that first chair. Um, it came for sale through Facebook Marketplace. Um, picked it up from Indiana. Came back home with it um, just in time for the start of <laughs> South Carolina's <laughs> super early <laughs> deer season. Um, and so started, you know, taking it out for that. Um, pretty much every chance I got, um, and even the first first couple hunts um, were back to that same property really where my accident was. So wow. very first hunt that I had out there. Um, you know, had some deer come out. Coyote ran them off, so coyote hit the dirt. Absolutely, because <laughs> so, uh, every deer hunt becomes a coyote hunt. That's right. <laughs> so I ended up just mounting him on my wall. Just um, made a real pretty mount. Um, just kind of was a special thing for me. Um, just kind of signifying the first first time getting back out there. And so um, use that chair. I don't even know how much I use it. If I wasn't hunting, I was in that chair around the yard chasing kids. Sure, um, yeah. You know, cleaning stuff up around the yard, anything. Um, so I use that chair all the time. Um, but whenever I'd come back from my hunts uh, or, you know, some property we had, if I was messing around out there with it, I'd have it loaded up on the trailer. Uh, if I had to stop, you know, pick something up from the grocery store for the wife um, or some fast food or fill up with gas or whatever, every time that I'd stop, um, you'd always come back and there'd be somebody standing there taking pictures of sure of the chair, you know, asking more information about it because I knew somebody that could use one, uh, right. et cetera. And I just always hated by the end of that conversation, you'd get to how much conversation. Well, how much are they and yeah. where do you buy them? And so I always hated just that part of the conversation because I knew that probably, you know, 95% of the people out there were going to be in the same situation that I was going to be in where I'm um, trying to justify being able to spend 15, 20 grand on a chair that, you know, the average guy may not use as much as I do. So, sure. you know, might sit in their garage 75% of the time and, you know, just very few people would be able to justify that. And right. so I'd, as many times as that kind of interaction and conversation came up, um, I remember just coming back to my wife and being like, Hey, it was like, what do you, what do you think about if I just started to like loan out my own chair? There's so many people in town, um, you know, that have just come up to me themselves that there's like a big need here uh, for people to be able to get back out off the pavement. Um, you know, people, a lot of times that you see people in wheelchairs, it's not, I mean, obviously there's some chronic diseases and illnesses and stuff that can put people in those chairs, but a lot of times it's like big major accidents like Absolutely. I had. Um, yes. So it's people that were used to being able to do all those things that had it all kind of taken away. Um, and so, Insurance just wants to make sure you can get on the the concrete to be able to get to the store and back home and into your house, and that's that's about it. And so, um, for people to be able to get back 
out, whether it be on trails, hunting, um, to the beach, uh, wherever. Uh, just every place that's not paved, really. Uh, these chairs are are just perfect for her. And so, um, you know, kind of tossed that idea around with her, and she she was behind me 100% and said, go for it. Um, so really, we even then started just kind of pitching the idea to some family and friends uh, to see if we could raise money and start getting some chairs. Um, the very first fundraiser we had, uh, we had raised a few thousand dollars pretty quick, but the chair that we had found was, uh, I think, $9,000 used. Okay. So they're very hard to find used, um, really, in general. They don't come up that often. So uh, pretty much anything that you can find, is, as long as it's not the new price, is going to be um, – what you got to go for and, you know, the best deal that you're going to be able to get, try to get some of these things. So we, we got that first chair, um, after, uh, my old boss, John Evans, he came up to me and just said, how much, uh, how much you got left? And so I told him, he said, we'll go buy the chair. He said, if I give you the money, can you get it tomorrow? <laughs> and so, uh, wow. ended up getting the money, um, uh, from him, his, his only stipulation. He said, I want to see a picture of the first person that uses it. It's got a big smile across their face. Um, and so that was just really awesome gesture by him, um, having that, you know, faith and confidence in me that I was going to be using that money the right way and, sure. you know, for that whole cause. And he kind of saw the vision behind it and the possibilities of, of how it could impact some people as well. And so we got that first chair. Uh, we continued to raise some money. The second month we were able to get a second chair. The third month we got an enclosed trailer. And it just still, it just said he kind of, continued to build and build from there um and that was all through through donations from family and friends and uh, some of the immediate community around here um which was just awesome to see kind of everybody pulling together and seeing that vision come to life uh, so now we're we're up to we just got our seventh chair in uh yesterday actually and it's from, orange yes it's clemson, orange clemson orange <laughs> it had to be <laughs> but uh we have the we had one that was donated by a company Top Talent. Um, we had another one that was actually donated by a guy that I was in the Shepherd Center with. Oh um, wow! And so we were both patients together. I think he had more of a full recovery, um, but he just said he said me and my wife have been blessed with the finances, but he said I can't physically go do what you're doing um, from where I'm at and what I've got going on in life. So he said he said the best that I can do is help you out with the money. Because um, I know that you can carry it the rest of the way. He said, I honestly, from the beginning, he said, I was kind of, um, he said, I don't want to say doubtful, but, you know, I just wasn't sure how all logistic-wise it was going to work out. Uh, he said, but but I've just kind of been watching from the background and seeing that, you know, it's going. And so he said, I want to be a part of it. And so he he donated the, this actually, this, that orange chair that we got. <laughs> and so it was it was really awesome. He said, go set it up how you need it. He said, no, cut the check. Just let me know how much it is. Um, and so we were able to do that. Incredible. And yeah, so I mean, we've got people that, that have used these chairs for all different kind of things. Um, do tell. Do tell. Our very first one, we, we partnered up with Hope Outdoors. Um, they do some, some hunts for um, people with life challenges like that. Um, and so we were able to – our first guy was a, little, a turkey hunter, so we got him in a chair. Uh, our second one was uh, a lady up in North Carolina. She had posted in one of the spinal cord uh, support groups on Facebook that um, she had an outdoor wedding and they had just recently dumped new gravel and she wasn't able to navigate um, where her outdoor wedding and stuff was supposed to be in the reception hall and everything else. So she was just kind of panicked and looking for ideas. And so I said, Hey, I said, we've got a track here if you want to, want to ride around in it. And she was 
totally excited about that idea. So we got her a track chair uh, up there, and she was able to to use it to get down the aisle for her wedding and um, enjoy the reception and everything else. It was uh, That was the coolest probably the coolest story we've had um that was right off the bat we've had um a lot of people using the summer at the beach uh, we had a partnership with huntington beach state park where uh, they kept one of the chairs for us and kept it you know cleaned off and rinsed off at the end of the days and charged um and so we were able to just send people there where they could use it for the day and take it out um and we also uh we deliver all over south carolina so if anybody okay. uh, wants to use a chair uh, we do deliver them um, if they're not able to transport them themselves. Okay. Um, and then the the kind of the deal we've got is um, everybody's able to use the chair for free. We don't have any kind of costs associated with it. It's totally free for all of our users. Um, we're 100% donor supported. Um, so we deliver chairs. Like if somebody's got a, a vacation at the beach for a week, you okay. know, obviously the Huntington chair may not be something they can have all week, but uh, if they want to have one, at their location for a week, we can drop one off um, so that way they can actually have a personal chair that they can use uh, for their vacation um, or their hunting trip or whatever that they've got going on um, so they can reserve those chairs. But we've had people that use them for uh, – there was a couple that the the wife, she, she contacted me, and she said, I want to get one for my husband. She said, we used to go to the beach all the time. He hasn't been able to get out on the beach with us for probably the last five years or so. We used to always go out to the beach and have dinner on the beach. She said, I just want to do that again one more time. Uh, so we were able to take her a chair and they were able to, to get around and, you know, have their supper on the beach together and uh, just enjoy some time with each other. We've had another guy that he used his to propose to his uh, soon to be wife on the beach. And so there's just been all kind of really awesome stories wow. of people using these chairs in different, different ways. Um, and just, I mean, story after story after story of people that I've never been able to get on the beach. It's been 20 years since I've been able to, to get out and, and hunt or, you know, yeah, just so many of those uh, different stories. It's just been, that's been honestly the most fulfilling part for me is um, <laughs> obviously we're such so far into the infancy stage uh, of the business that we're not making any money at all uh, for ourselves. But, but getting to hear those stories and see those smiles and faces and just all that just really, I mean, that does more for you than any dollar. Well, I promise. Oh, you. I promise. You. I, I can. I can only imagine, folks. It's it's real easy. It's WaymakerOffRoadWheelchairs.com. Um, yep. yeah, you know, homepage about how to reserve it. Uh, some of the events, some of the places y'all been. Uh, and and if you follow on the Facebook page, you'll post if you're going to be somewhere where people come try the chairs out. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a donation button there. Contact us. What okay, you got about fifteen, twenty seconds. Do you need another chair? Do you need just some funds for repairs? What what where would you like it to come from? Yeah, we're definitely always looking to expand our chairs. Okay. Even the seven we've got now, they stay um pretty much constantly booked out and gone. Um we're starting to get to the point where enough people are hearing about it that we're having to turn people away. So um any money we get we try to try to spend wisely and get those used chairs uh, to make our dollars go as far as we can. We're looking to get uh, more used chairs in the future um, as well as, yes, there's a constant kind of maintenance budget as well as transportation budget to be able to get those chairs out. Jacob, you have an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it with us. We will make sure you uh, stay front and center. Folks, get out there. We'll see you next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.